This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want us to go this evening to the book of Haggai, and we'll come to the second chapter. Haggai chapter number two, we began looking at this a few weeks ago. In fact, just a a little under a month ago, we looked at this subject on a Sunday evening. Haggai was a prophet. He prophesied uh, after the return of the children of Israel, uh, the Jews back to uh, Jerusalem. They had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and uh, the Persians invaded Babylon, overthrew the Babylonians. The Persians established power. And uh, it was during the reign of Darius the king that he commissioned that the Jews could return and uh, began to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and ultimately uh, when Nehemiah came to rebuild the walls. When the people returned to Jerusalem some 70 years after captivity, it was not as it had been. And of course, if we remember uh, the condition of the city of Jerusalem before the captivity, the people were carried away with idolatry. And the prophet Jeremiah warned them repeatedly to turn from their idols, and they refused. Then when Jeremiah pronounced that Babylon was coming, that Nebuchadnezzar was coming, that judgment had fallen, and that the people should submit to that judgment, Many of them refused. Those who uh, received the prophecy, those who obeyed it, uh, they were carried away into Babylon, but God took care of them and met their needs. And by the way, no matter what happens in our world today, let me just assure you of this, God will take care of us, amen? And during that 70-year period, of course, Jerusalem was populated by Nebuchadnezzar and others It was populated by uh, the Canaanite nations and other nations, and there they established the worship of their gods. Of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Jews had been carried away with those gods anyway. But now this becomes more and more prevalent. And a a form of worship that was was a homogenous form of worship, it was what we would call in our modern-day vernacular as a tolerant form of worship to say that any God that you worship, it's okay to worship and all roads will lead to heaven as long as your intentions are good and as long as you do good deeds. This really characterized the religion of Jerusalem in that day during the return. And so when the Jews returned, they found things were quite different than the way they were even when they left them. And so the challenge for them is to begin to rebuild, to rebuild their homes, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem that was lying in waste. The enemies had come through and 
and destroyed the city. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar and his army burnt the city and burnt the temple of God. They cast down the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And so it was in disrepair. As Nehemiah said, it was a reproach. It brought shame and reproach to the name of God. Remember, Zion, Jerusalem, was the city where God placed his name. It was in the temple where God's presence dwelt. And if people throughout the world wanted to know who the true and the living God was, they were to come to the people of God, to the city of God, and hear the message of God. If they wanted to approach him, they could come to him, uh, to the temple, and offer sacrifices to the Lord. But now all of that had been destroyed, and the people returned, and there was a challenging job to be done. Haggai is prophesying during this period, and as we looked in chapter 1, his message was this, consider your ways. Consider your ways. He spoke to the remnant of the people. Remember, not all of the Jews that could have returned, returned. Just a handful, around 40,000 of them returned to the city. Just a remnant. By the way, God's work is not impacted by numbers of people. God can do with just a few. Or, if he chooses, he can do with a multitude. Remember when Gideon was going to face uh, the army? of the Philistines, and uh, there were 30,000 soldiers that were lined up ready to go fight with Gideon, and the Lord reduced that number down to 300. You remember that? You see, God is able to deliver with 300. He's able to deliver with three or 30 or 30,000. But here we find the remnant of the people, and do not be discouraged tonight if we as God's people are just a remnant in our nation. Don't be discouraged. Be grateful that you're a part of the remnant. Well, what we understand about this remnant is they had the wrong priorities. In chapter 1, in verse number 4, the prophet says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Uh, They had had gotten captivated. They'd been captivated and, and distracted by their own personal needs by their own personal ambitions, by their own personal schedules, to the neglect of God's work, to the neglect of God's house. They had the wrong priorities. They had pursued the wrong things. In verse number six, he said, "'Ye have sown much and bring in little. "'Ye eat, but ye have not enough. "'Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. "'Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. "'He that earneth wages, earneth wages "'to put into a bag with holes.'" They had uh, regrettable pursuits. They were spending their time pursuing things that did not pay dividends. Sounds much like our culture today. Uh, We find that the people did respond In verse number 12, we see then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear before the Lord. They responded, 
to Haggai's challenge, to his call to them uh, to return to the work of God. And then they were reassured by his promise in verse number 13 of chapter 1. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Verse 14, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And so we see in the opening chapter that there is a call to the people, a call for them to consider their ways to put aside their own personal goals and ambitions and uh, to, to repent the, of their lack of passion for the work of God and to respond to God's call and be engaged in the work. And they answered the call, and they began the work. Uh, we find that happened, and then we come to chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number one, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, we find here that Haggai's ministry is one of correction. This ministry of correction is correction concerning the thinking of the people as it was related to their role in the work of God. By the way, our thinking gets off all the time, doesn't it? the way we consider things, the way we approach things, uh, the way we think about the work of the Lord, the way we think about our world, the way we think about our own lives. Because we live in a body that is decaying, a body that is bound in sin, our soul is delivered, but our body is perishing. Though we live in this house of flesh, and as we live in it, it affects the way we think often. And Haggai is speaking to the people concerning the work of the Lord. 
And if there was a time when the work of the Lord was important, it was certainly in this time. After 70 years of captivity, there was a reprieve. There was a release. They had a season, uh, as, as uh, we learn in the book of Ezra, a space, a little space of God's grace so that the work of God could flourish once again. And so here they are now uh, in chapter 1. They're distracted And Haggai corrects them concerning their distraction to call them back to the work, saying, consider your ways. As we come to chapter number two, here we find them now several weeks into the project. And how do we find them? We do not find them distracted, but we find them discouraged. We find them discouraged. And here's the message. Consider your work. That's the title of the message this evening. Consider your work. Now, I want us to see uh, that the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9 that we are not to be weary in well-doing. Paul wrote to the Galatian church and said, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Do you ever get weary? I think, I think the things that we have gone through in 2020 are, are, are really tiring things. As I mentioned in the beginning, when I first began speaking to you, I think most of us are over COVID. We're, we're, we're tired of dealing with it. It has changed everything about our lives, the way we interact with people, the way we plan. It has changed our approach and our attitude. Many people are discouraged. Many are depressed. Many are lonely. Many are filled with fear. And just to have a church service, uh, it it seems like it takes so much work and so much effort. It can be discouraging. Uh, Many ministries of the church have been suspended because of fear and concern. And and that's not a criticism. That's an, an analysis Uh, The soul-winning emphasis and outreach ministries have been severely impacted. And uh, plans to move forward uh, and activities of ministry have been hindered. Uh, We have not had certain ministries, and, and there's a concern about beginning ministries in this culture and in this climate in which we are. And it becomes very wearisome. Very wearisome. Plus, we have all that is happening in our world. And the spirit that permeates our world, the indifference and the animosity, the difficulty of it all, the day in and day out battles of life that we all face oftentimes become discouraging for us. And Paul writes to the Galatian church and he admonishes them. He tries to encourage them and he says to them, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Does Does the devil ever say to you, you know, it's really just not worth it? Why make the effort to go to church? Why make the effort uh, to to be engaged in the work of God? 
It doesn't seem like anybody's listening. It doesn't seem like anybody cares. It doesn't seem like anybody is responding. I mean, really, wouldn't you just be better off if you were at home? Why are you going to this trouble? Why are you going to these links? Why are you tithing your income and supporting the work of missions? This is a tactic of the devil to discourage us, to get us to look at the problems, to cause us to fear, And to cause us in the midst of those problems and circumstances and in the midst of that fear, to cause us to withdraw our hand from the work of God. Uh, This happened in Nehemiah's day. And remember now, Nehemiah is a contemporary of Ezra and Haggai. And Nehemiah is leading the people to rebuild the walls of the city. Now, the walls are important because they offered protection. And in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 10, as, as Nehemiah is, is leading the people and the construction is going on, the adversary rises up. By the way, let me just say this to you. Anytime you put your hand to the work of God, let me tell you, the devil is going to come against you. Don't be surprised when he does. He is going to oppose you. He's going to do all he can uh, to stop you. We find in verse number 10, in the midst of the work, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. The people are weak. That's what he's saying. They've been carrying the burdens. They've been bringing in the materials. They've been carrying out the trash and all the, the burnt stones and all the, all the debris, the wreckage of the burned out city. They've been doing all of this, and finally they have given out. They're weary and they're Tired. Have you ever been there? And the Bible says, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. You see what happened to them? They took their eyes off of the Lord and they put their eyes on the circumstances. They listened to the voices of Sanballat and Tobiah and all of their allies. They got tired underneath the load of the burden and they grew greatly discouraged and they needed to be strengthened now i want you to notice in verse number four of haggai chapter number two here is the message of god he says yet now be strong o zerubbabel saith the lord and be strong o joshua uh, the son of Josedek, the high priest and be strong all ye people of the land saith the lord and work for I am with you. Here's what he's saying to them. He's saying to them, be strong and understand something. I am with you. By the way, can I ask you a question? Has the Lord left us? Has he departed from us in 2020? No. Has the Lord's power and strength been diminished? Have his promises failed us? Has he in any way neglected to supply our every need? Has he ever been too busy to hear your prayer? No. You see, God has not failed us. He has called us to the work. He has commissioned us to do it, and he has comforted us with his presence and he says to us this evening 
be strong. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, this applies to you in your service to the Lord in the ministry of the church. This applies to you in your service to the Lord in the ministry of your home, in raising your children, in going to work day in and day out, fighting, uh, fighting the devil and, 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 and fighting the battles of life. Uh, raising your family for the glory of God, uh, trying to establish a Christian home in the midst of a hostile world, trying to be a testimony and a witness in a world that doesn't seem to have any desire to hear uh, the message of the gospel. We are battling daily. We are called to be in the work daily. And if we're not, if we're not uh, careful, we will grow discouraged in the work of the Lord. And we'll grow weary. In Nehemiah chapter number 8, the people have gathered and they have heard the law as it has been proclaimed. It had been a long time since they had gathered and heard the message of the law. And when they heard it in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 9, the Bible said Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, Tershatha is a title for a governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We must be careful not to lose the joy of the Lord. And the way to maintain the joy of the Lord is to stay in the presence of the Lord, to stay on our knees in prayer, uh, to stay in his presence, in his word, to allow God to speak to us, to be obedient to him and to walk in his commandments, to receive his strength in our weakness. And in the midst of these dreadful circumstances that we find ourselves living in, in this hour, to continually look to him and be comforted and learn to rest in his promises. And if we'll do that, then the joy of the Lord will be our strength. You see, joy is not based on circumstances. Happiness is. But joy is based on truth. And in the midst of all of this, uh, this uh, uh, plethora of uh, down reporting and negativity and criticism and hostility, in all this confusion that we live in, we must be reminded that God is not the author of confusion and we must turn to his word and we'll receive that joy. And so Haggai's message here is continue your work. Don't be weary in well-doing. Now, I want to just give you three things to help you tonight. First of all, as we look at this passage, continue your work without comparisons from the past. Continue your work without comparisons from the past. 
Notice again in verse number one. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Now, the temple is being rebuilt. But let me tell you something about this temple. It's not quite what the old temple was. You see, Solomon's temple was unrivaled in its beauty and in its grandeur. Uh, They tell us, Uh, that the price of the gold that was in the Holy of Holies alone, the gold that it would have taken to make the furniture that was contained in the Holy of Holies would be in today's money $4 billion or more. You see, this was an elaborate, beautiful, ornate temple. And well, it should have been because it was a portrayal of the glory of God. Of God, But the house that Zerubbabel uh, was building uh, was not the house that Solomon built. It did not compare in glory. I want you to notice, if you'll go with me to the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter number three, we have a glimpse here into the attitude of the people as they, uh, as they considered this temple. Ezra chapter number three. And verse number 12, we'll back up just a little bit and uh, go to verse number 10. The construction has begun. Verse 8, now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month begins Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Yeshua, the son of Josedach, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity into Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. In verse 10, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with the trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good. Amen. For his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Here they have now. They've come together and they have laid the foundation of the temple. And to celebrate this, uh, they gather together and they blow the trumpets and they sing the songs and the people have assembled now to praise God for what God has done. But amid amid the mixture of praise was a voice of lamentation. Notice in verse 12, but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house, that's Solomon's temple. When the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout 
and the noise was heard afar off. You see, as many celebrated, there were some who were weeping. Why? Because they were comparing that house with the glory of the former house. This same comparison is taking place here. And God confronts the people with it. He confronts them with the reality of it. There's no way to convince them that this house is equal in beauty and grandeur to the house of Solomon. And so the Lord confronts them with this truth. And he reveals to them in the midst of this, as they are making this comparison, that he is not bound to any house, whether it be the former or whether it be the one they're building. In fact, he's going to make them a promise concerning a house that they're not building now but will be built in the future. You see, oftentimes here's what happens to us. We get bound to the past. Here we have the old men, the ancient men, those who had lived their lives and those who had been in Jerusalem in the days before the captivity, those who had seen all the beauty and the grandeur of Solomon's temple. And that's what they remembered. But apparently they forgot the idolatry that permeated the city. And as they thought about that temple, all they could do was weep because this new temple would never measure up. And oftentimes I'm afraid that when we look back in the past and we, 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 we think about how God worked in the past, we limit how God can work today if he does not work exactly as he has in the past. And that's a great danger, isn't it? Do you know we can convince our young people if we're not careful that God can't work today? We, 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 we have to be careful. You know, we've experienced wonderful revivals and, and meetings, and, and we can remember personalities, and we can remember certain events on the church calendar, but as time changes and a culture changes and churches change, I'm not talking about their doctrine and their belief and their faithfulness to the Scripture. I'm talking about in the way people conduct their lives. And let me tell you, what has happened to us in 2020 is we have undergone change. It has been thrust upon us. But let me tell you this. God is able to work in the change. And he is not bound by the past. Oftentimes we are in our sentimentality, but God is able to work in the present. And so we must continue the work without comparisons from the past. And by the way, they don't always just have to be comparisons from the past. The apostle wrote and said, when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not what, church? Wise. Do you know what happens to us? We see what's happening in other places what's happening in other churches. And we begin to wonder, well, why don't we have that ministry? Or why don't we do it like that? Or why don't we have the financial security that they have? Or why don't we have the, the building that they have? Or why does it seem that we don't have uh, certain things that they have? And when we begin to compare ourselves with ourselves, we can fall into a great snare of discouragement. And God is working through his prophet to correct them in their discouragement and to encourage them to continue in the work. So number one, 
Continue your work without comparisons from the past. God is the God of the present. Number two, continue your work with the comfort of God's presence. Continue your work with the comfort of God's presence. No, the temple was not going to be what it was, but God was still who he has always been. And he is still there among them. Notice in verse 4, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Don't stop. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Keep working. Keep serving me. Keep teaching that class. Keep preaching the message of the gospel. Keep uh, faithful. Remain faithful in your service to the Lord. Remain faithful in your Christian life. Remain faithful in your home to continue to honor God. Don't stop. For I am with you. You don't have to go this alone. You're not trying to navigate COVID alone. You're not navigating all of this political upheaval and this, uh, this rebellion, this, this, this uh, resistance to American life and the, 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 the principles upon which this nation was founded. I'm telling you, it gets disturbing to see it, doesn't it? But I want you to know that God said, I am with you in the midst of it. saith the Lord of hosts. He's talking to the remnant, but he reminds them, I'm not just the Lord of the remnant, I'm the Lord of hosts. I have an army. I have a multitude who follows me. Sometimes we feel outnumbered, don't we? We feel like, hmm, we just can't make a difference in this world today. What we need is for God to open our eyes and let us see that there's more who are for us than there are who are against us. To understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Not to look at the height of the giant, but to understand the glory of God and confront the giant on God's terms, not on ours. Verse number five, according to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. And I like these three words, don't you? Fear ye not. You do not have to be afraid. Fear is a choice. That's why God tells us not to fear. How do we deal with fear? We deal with fear by faith. It doesn't mean that we won't have moments of fear because we always will, and especially when we make a step of faith, fear will always accompany that step of faith. But it is only by faith that we're able to overcome our fear. And may God help us to trust him and believe him and rest in him and know that he is with us. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses was preparing to die. Joshua was going to take the role of leadership. And three times in Deuteronomy 31, Moses told Joshua, be strong. In Joshua chapter number one and verse number eight, the Lord said to Joshua, be strong. Joshua said to the people in Joshua 10 and verse 25, 
be strong. David said to his son Solomon, when he was about to assume the leadership of the nation, be strong. Paul, as he was passing off the scene in his final letter to Timothy, said to him, be strong. And to the church engaged in spiritual conflict, what did he say? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not that I can muster up enough courage to be strong. It is that I go to God to receive strength from him. It is his presence in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so may God help us to continue our work with the comfort of God's presence. Let me give you the last thing. Continue your work with confidence in God's plans. Continue your work with confidence in God's plans. Now he says, listen, fellas, don't get embroiled in comparisons with the past. That won't do anything but discourage you. Understand that I am a present God, that I am with you, and continue in the work. And as you continue, there's some things you need to know. Look at it in verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. You see, they didn't have the silver and the gold that they once had. They weren't as prosperous as they once were. Their treasures had been carried away. But the Lord reminded them, I don't need your silver. I don't need your gold. I possess it all. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place... Will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. What does the Lord do? He reassures them. He restores their confidence in his plans. And so we are to continue our work with confidence in God's plans. Now, notice here some things that we find. First of all, we see the Lord's power here. He says, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. God is sovereign over the earth. He's sovereign. Not only is he sovereign over the earth, he is sovereign over the nations of the earth, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. The Lord is powerful, and he reigns over the nations, and he can move them. The Bible says the the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He can turn it with us whoever he pleases. God is in control. Are you disturbed tonight about what's happening in our nation? Are you disturbed about uh, the accusations concerning the election? Well, you probably should be if you aren't. An inquiry should certainly be made. There are certainly irregularities that have never occurred in the history of our nation that have occurred in in this past election. And while the media turns a deaf ear to those concerns, Many are wondering if anything can be done. Let me just assure you of this. God is in control. And God is working according 
to his plan. And he can establish kings and he can establish presidents and he can put down kings and he can put down presidents. And God can protect and preserve his people in the midst of all of those circumstances. And he says to us in his word that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We need a renewed confidence in the Lord's power. God is able, and he has promised to take care of us. Then we see the Lord's presence here, and he said in verse number 7, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. This house that you're worried about, this house that you're lamenting over because it's not as grand and as glorious in the eyes of man as the house of Solomon was. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill this house with my glory. My presence will be there. Don't worry about the provisions because I own it all. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. I tell you, we, we live in this, in this climate and we understand the fragility of our economic system and, and uh, the fragility of uh, the economy as it stands and the uh, opportunities that we have and we consider all of the political ramifications and the factors and how all of that impacts our, our income and, and our ability to move forward. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we, we'll consider those things and not move by faith to obey God. The Lord said, you don't need to worry about this. I have all the gold and all the silver. Do you know that God pays for everything he orders? The Bible said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Here we decide uh, on the, the last Sunday before the shutdown to build a preschool building and vote to do it. And then we have a shutdown. Do you think the thought came across my mind? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Absolutely, that thought came across my mind. I guarantee it came across most of your minds. But then we said, wait a minute. God led us, right? Do you believe that, church? Did God lead us? We considered it. We voted on it. And we believe God is leading us. And God can stop us if he pleases. But we're proceeding forward until he does. And trusting God. Our school, in the midst of all of this turmoil, has experienced growth. And our classes are full. Our building is full. And other people want to come and bring their children to school. For the glory of God, we say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. You're taking care of your people. In the midst of this pandemic, uh, we had one of the most blessed years financially in the history of our church. God is able to take care of our needs. Let's trust him. By the way, he's able to take care of your family. He's able to take care of mine. And sometimes we get, we, we get put to the test, right? Are we going to trust or are we going to panic? Are we going to look to man or are we going to look to God? And may God help us to be faithful. Uh, his possessions. And then we see his peace. Notice this in verse number 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. You know what this world is missing? Peace. But when the Prince of Peace arrives, we're going to have peace. Amen? Amen. 
And we who have the Prince of Peace, we who possess him can live with that peace, the peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds in the midst of this turmoil that we live in. We're not to be careful. The Bible said be careful for nothing. We don't have to walk around in high anxiety and fear. We can trust God and may God help us tonight to be encouraged to continue in the work, to continue without comparisons from the past. It's not going to be like it was before. This is a different day, but God is able to work. Continue with the comfort of his presence. He has not forsaken us. He has not failed us. Continue with confidence that he is going to fulfill his plan and his purpose. Why was this important for them to know? Because they were weary and ready to quit. And all they could see was that this building would never match, never measure up to the former. And they could not imagine that God could do anything there. But God sent a prophet into their midst to stir them up, to correct their thinking, and to say to them, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And because they continued in the work, because they uh, persevered in the work of God, a temple was erected. And do you know that within just a few hundred years of that temple being built, that that house was filled with the glory of God? Joseph and Mary came in one cold evening with a baby in their arms, their firstborn son. And there was a man there named Simeon who saw the babe and the Spirit of God had impressed him and said, uh, you're not going home until you see the consolation of Israel. And he took that little lad, that little baby boy in his hands, and he walked through that temple, and he was praising God. You remember the prophetess who did the same? You see, I want you to know, the people in the temple that night, they may not have realized it, but Haggai's prophecy was fulfilled. The glory of the Lord filled the house. And one day he's coming again in great power. And he's going to walk into the temple and the glory of the Lord will fill the house. But until then, let me tell you, he's got a lot of other houses and you are one of them. And the glory of the Lord can fill your house. And so let's not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It may not look like we're accomplishing much, but let's keep striving. Let's keep laboring because I'm going to tell you that our children and our children's children, if the Lord tarries, if he doesn't come before that time period, our children and our children's children are going to benefit from our work today. Let's be faithful to do the work of God. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.